Are the Cardinals and Kyler Murray for real? Has the league caught up to the Chiefs? Can the Raiders' early season surge be trusted or are they destined to just flop as soon as everyone starts to believe in them? But what happened to all that Winston MVP talk? Let's recap NFL Week 2 and Preview Week 3. Let's hit the opening bell. Welcome, Kings. We have Week 2 in the books. Let's recap and then go ahead and dig into Week 3. We are 2-0 and in our Survivor picks, and in Circa Millions, went 3-2, and so good there. Um, but let's kick it off with a slate, see how we recap this. Um, you know, the week started with the Giants-Washington. That plus 3.5 seemed almost too good to be true. I bet that almost immediately uh, once I saw it. I was also on the under, so that missed. Um, any takeaways, Brett, from the Giants-Washington as we kind of blaze through the slate mm -hmm. so we can get into week three? Um, no, I want to re-watch this one over the next couple days, especially because I think the week three game with Washington looked pretty juicy, uh, and we'll preview that in, in a bit. Um, but I would say from what I did watch of it that... You know, division game three and a half was was definitely unjustified. If it wasn't a Thursday game, we definitely would have made it one of our official picks in, in the contest for sure. Uh, you know, we kind of all leaned that side, but you know that Thursday game kind of sneaks up on you quick, um, and uh, you know you're still kind of digging through the previous week by the time that game kicks off. Uh, but I liked what I saw from Taylor Heineke. Um, I don't downgrade from what I've seen so far. I, I don't anticipate downgrading Washington at all from that game. And I doubt that I'm going to upgrade uh, the Giants. It was just a tough, you know, division game. Uh, they both played tough games between each other uh, last week. I mean, uh, last year. Uh, so again, going to have to rewatch that one to really provide a little bit more insight. But don't, again, don't anticipate any kind of upgrades, downgrades on either one of those teams. Yeah, and I'll finish with this. Is I want rewatch the game. It seemed to me the offenses, I mean, definitely outperformed the defense, and I thought about why. And obviously, I think the defenses are probably maybe not as good as last year, both of them. But also, it was a Thursday game, and on a short week, you know, you know, the hardest um, side of the ball to kind of get their legs back under them is the defense, right? I mean, they're the ones that have to, you know, be chasing and running after things. So it could have been just a little flat-footed. Um, overall between those two teams after a big week one, you know, emotional first game of the season. Um, so not set, like, I, I don't necessarily downgrade the defenses, but they were very uninspiring overall. Um, and Heineke and Daniel Jones, both just very inconsistent. So like capable on one side, inconsistent on the other um, is kind of my biggest takeaway. Um, so yeah, if we go to the next game, um, Start up the top with the Saints at the Panthers, Brett. I know we were on the Panthers. We had them in our contest picks. Um, I think I tweeted out when the when I first saw the line at plus three, plus three and a half before all the Saints injury news and COVID news, I was basically tweeting, this looks like a great line. And then all the news came out. And so that's, I you know, so it's hard for me to get off the Panthers because I liked it before all the kind of negative Saints news uh, came out. Mm -hmm. Any takeaways from that game? I think it's just what we kind of implied in last week's pod was that you can't necessarily trust 
uh, the week one standalone performance from James Winston. You still had to see more of that type of performance. Was it going to be that, you know, Sean Payton's going to be able to keep kind of the reins on him and really be able to infiltrate his decision-making to the extent that it improves it to a material degree. And so this was like one of James Winston's worst games in his entire career, uh, especially from, you know, like a, st- a statistical perspective. He also threw two interceptions um, in this and, and kind of some of them uh, were vintage James Winston kind of being rushed, kind of being on the verge of being sacked, uh, you know, arm kind of not in the great uh, kind of like freedom of motion. So kind of being uh, a hit and then just lobbing the ball up and whatever happens, happens. And uh, usually when he does that, it gets it gets picked off. Uh, that's exactly what happened in, in this game. Uh, this is another one that I'm going to want to watch more closely. I think a lot of people obviously surprised by the final margin of this game. Uh, I think, you know, like you implied, I mean, we picked Carolina pretty much across the board in our contest picks. Um, we've been very bullish on Carolina. If you watch our preseason preview, uh, we've been much higher on Sam Darnold than the market. Probably we even bought one of our OGs, a Sam Darnold jersey. Actually, that's a great point. The only jersey that we bought in the offseason for anybody was a Sam Darnold jersey. So, hey. Yes. Um, and so, I mean, so far, I mean, I, I, I don't think he, he's not playing amazing or anything that, but he's totally uh, shredding the Bears preseason expectations. Yes. Um, but again, like we had much higher expectations for him. And I would say that he's generally meeting them, maybe slightly underperforming. Um, I think what we've talked about and what we were texting during this game was Carolina has come out kind of blazing in the first halves of these games. And then for whatever reason, there isn't the requisite kind of halftime adjustment being made or the foot is being taken off the pedal to some extent in the second half, or I don't know what's going on. Again, when I rewatch this game, maybe I'll be able to discern a pattern and be able to really have a more substantive key, key takeaway there. But the point is, is Carolina's performing well in the first half and then is not performing as well in the second half. Yeah, yeah. And so that's something you want to continue to monitor, I think, you know, moving forward. Because again, Carolina ended up winning this game by almost 20 points. But there was opportunities there, especially when we were texting each other and it was live in game where, uh-oh, like, Saints might just come right back now. Um, that didn't, And that didn't end up happening, largely in part because of the Panthers' defense and Jameis Winston, again, not looking nearly as composed as he was last week. Uh, but that's more of a Saints issue, I think. Um, and again, obviously, the whole COVID issues and the coaching. And I, I don't know how, I think it's more like the injuries, the players missing on the field, less so, you know, a bunch of assistant coaches missing the game. I, obviously, it's not preferred. It's not It's not ideal 
Um, but I don't think that's why you get beat by 20 points as a three yeah. and a half point favorite. Um, but so, yeah, something to continue to monitor the first half, second half dichotomy of performances for the Panthers. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. Yeah, I want to rewatch this one and kind of see what's going on in that second half. Um, the defense so far through two games, obviously they played the Jets and the Saints with the weird situation, um, but it has been playing well. And, I, and maybe that's one of, maybe, you know, all of the hubbub around Sam Darnold is what actually is being missed is maybe this defense is uh, a quality defense that maybe ends up top 10, top five through the season or something. And, you know, the market just only talks about Sam Darnold. So something to keep an eye on. Um, yeah, absolutely. Next up, Bengals at Bears. Another game that we were uh, very heavily into the Bears um, to uh, cover the, the the two, two and a half, one. Um, I think the line actually yeah. started on the Bengals plus three, which I had, uh, I think I bet it Monday. So I, you know, I got a push there and then was obviously into the Bears as that line dropped. So any takeaways from this? Obviously, Andy Dalton getting hurt um, mm -hmm. was big news and Justin Fields coming in looking like the world beater that He's not. Um, thoughts on that? Um, yeah, this was a game that, you know, a lot of the money was obviously pouring in on the Bengals, like you mentioned, open the week, plus three. And Bays got bet all the way down to plus one. And we stepped in in front of that counter trade um, and took the other side of it. I uh, thought we had enough conviction in our fundamental handicap of this game. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, that's one of the, one, the, one of the handicaps I'll say, I'll definitely pat to the back for this week. And I'm happy that we were able to kind of see through that, uh, negative price action and not be unduly persuaded or dissuaded, uh, from, from betting the bears on that, because we thought that, our fundamental view was just so much stronger and the market was just just simply missing it. Um, in fact, I mean, you know, we picked the bears pretty much across the board in our contests. I think we picked them in every single, in all of our contests mm -hmm. uh, at minus two and a half. So literally negative one and a half points of intrinsic line value. Uh, so to really speak to our confidence. And then we ended up squeaking it out with the bears winning by three, but the bears were decidedly the better team and it really wasn't until Andy Dalton got banged up the Bears were driving when he did that and again Andy Dalton looked as good as you wanted him to be and the Bears defense uh certainly outperformed looked a lot more kind of vintage old school Bears defense really capitalizing on some of the Joe Burrow mistakes um and it this game didn't unravel until Andy Dalton left the game. And then Justin Fields basically did his best to let the Bengals win this game outright. Uh, and from everything that I'm reading is Andy Dalton's going to be out for the next couple to several weeks. Um, so Justin Fields is going to be the starter obviously. And that is a massive downgrade. This dude holds the ball way too long, locks into his number one receiver. So I'm not, I'm not going to go into all the reasons why I'm bearish on Justin Fields. I feel like I do that almost every time we talk about the bears, 
I talked about it a lot in our preseason podcast. Uh, so if you're interested, you can go there. Um, I talked about it last week as well. So enough of that here. Downgrade the Bears. Downgrade the Bears. Um, they got, that's basically my, my main takeaway. I think if there was five minutes more left in that game, I mean, we were sweating it at the end. When it's just like, my gosh, can, can Fields just, just end this game? Can you just get like a first down and just run the clock out, end this game, please? Because if there was five extra minutes in that game, I feel like the Bengals probably just would have won. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, the, if, if, yeah, if there was one more quarter, let's say, it looked like it was going to completely fall apart. Um, yeah, and then uh, moving on to the next game, um, Houston at Cleveland. This was a game, you know, so I like to look at, that's why we do the Sunday playbook scorecard. I like to look at the slate as a whole and compare kind of, you know, lines that are similar across each other. And I actually end up having, I think, more conviction in, in um, Houston covering against Cleveland than I really did against the other uh, big, uh, you know, over 10 spreads. And part of the reason was, was because, you know, it seemed like to me the market was way high on the Browns after, you know, a devastating loss, you know, and a little bit of maybe a letdown spot and not giving the Houston offense enough credit. And so when the line's so big at 12 and a half, to me, it was just kind of a, you know, if there's a team that was going to get an upset, you know, I thought Houston could maybe score with the Browns, keep it close to the end. And if Tyrod Taylor doesn't get hurt, I mean, it really could have ended up playing out that way. I don't think, I still don't think they would have pulled out the win, but, um, you know, got to rewatch the tape. But yeah, that, that's just kind of my general takeaway is that this Browns defense, it just it hasn't looked very good. And maybe the Texans offense is better than people think still. They're just not getting any credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... You know, in our pregame analysis, this was definitely all Texans or bust. And in the end, we talked ourselves out of it, not wanting to bet again on bad teams. We don't want to bet. We we try not to bet on really just bad teams because you just it's hard to predict really, you know, what's what's going to happen due to their you know fundamental weaknesses. And when you have that sort of fundamental weakness, the the opportunity for things to go haywire just increases. And I think the error there is maybe the the Texans really aren't as bad of a team as as the market. And we always knew that the Texans were not as bad as the market price them as, um, which is one of the reasons why we liked the Texans last week. I liked the Texans this week. Again, didn't end up putting them in the contest, mostly just because we were scaredy cats yeah uh and not wanting to look silly but this was definitely you know you're never betting the browns in this one no um again like you mentioned coming off you know an emotional game game that they probably should have won versus the chiefs uh and now coming in to play a feisty texans team and and they basically went you know toe to toe with with the browns and i think that was all pro kind of Texans performance. I don't really, I wouldn't say this was a bad Browns performance. I mean, Baker Mayfield played well. You know, I think he was 18 of 20. Well, it should rest the Texans. Like a drop pass. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that also could be, 
Well, it's it's, it's why in the playbook I I've, I suggested the over. You know, I, I basically said I didn't I didn't know if it was worth getting cute taking the Texans. So the pivot was taking the over, right? Because the assumption yeah. was Browns are going to get their 30 points, and can the Texans get over 17? And so obviously that played out. Um, and so that that's kind of like the benefit of looking at what is the best option intragame and then across the slate is I just didn't feel comfortable, you know, buying the Houston spread, but was there another way to get over the betting hump? Oh, well, the over, right? Like, so it kind of correlates yeah. to Houston, but like if Tyrod Taylor gets hurt and, you know, Browns get one more field goal, well, the over hits, right? So like it kind of, you know, it's just another way of looking at um, betting opportunities. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And that's why, I mean, hey, if anyone's interested, you know, you got to check out the playbook that we put together, release every Sunday morning, uh, that basically just, it's not intended to say, hey, go out and do this. Make, go out and make these bets. It's just, hey, hey, this is what we're looking at. This is probably where we're going to start angling in when we're watching these games and starting to make live bets. And we're just going to share that information with you guys. And if you guys want to follow it or whatever, then, you know, uh, it, it, what it serves as is a great way to see fresh perspectives and maybe new trading ideas that you didn't consider, you know, and then you have this sort of nice, easy one pager that you can reference, you know, over the course of the Sunday, try to isolate those opportunities and, and hopefully capitalize. Yeah. Like we have. For sure. And um, the next one, speaking of opportunities, um, was the uh, game of the week. We had the Rams at the Colts. And though it started a little slow with the Colts, you know, they left points on the field going for fourth and one at the goal line. Um, you know, Colts probably should have won this game outright if if they just were a little more buttoned up, which they weren't. Um, but as far as the game of, week, game of the week is concerned, what that basically means for anybody who hasn't quite picked up what we're putting down is, you know, it's, it's basically a more or less you could frame it as a quote unquote max bet where you're you're betting more than your one unit standard across multiple bets that correlate within the same game. So for instance, in this one, we had, um, you know, so looking for the Colts, the over, teasing Indianapolis and the over, um, the over rushing yards, stacking Rams passing props like Cooper Cup, um, and any alt, uh, you know, over the 44 and a half if it dipped, which I think in the first half it did. So basically it's giving, sure. it's giving you a playbook of this game rather than just like one play, take this or that. This is saying stack all these bets that are somewhat correlated, but at times may prove to be hedges against each other on the downside as well. So, you know, if we lose, let's say two or three, we might hit two and therefore mitigate our downside risk. If we are right about our game flow prediction, which this was, you have a potential to like stack five, six, seven units, but mitigating risk in the process, which is a nice way to mm -hmm. kind of look at it from my view. Um, but yeah, yeah any absolutely. takeaways from the game specifically? This is another one that I'll have to watch closer. I mean, obviously the, the Colts kept it somewhat competitive. Looks like they were gonna get trounced again early on, kind of the same way, kind of the same uh, the same way the 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 Seahawks Colts game played out last week is what it looked like the way this game was going to play out. 
The only difference was the Colts maintained a little bit more of their composure and Wentz played a little bit better, I would say, but he's still not trustworthy in that pocket. I mean, he uh, just dangerous. And in the end, I mean, he ends up getting hurt. Jacob Eason comes in. There was a pick. Uh, like there was a pick and um, two two series that you know do nothing. Um, so so the Rams do squeak it out there. I think the Rams was the right side from you know a straight up perspective. I think the Rams are clearly the better team. Uh, still trying to work some things out there. And this Colts team without Wentz is just a, a big gap between him and the next man up, which is Jacob Eason. Uh, it's going to be, we're going to have to continue to monitor that, monitor that situation because um, th- that, that is a, a sizable downgrade. Uh, but this is another one again. I'll, I'll take a, a closer look on it. We didn't come out too hot on the Rams after the Bears game. We thought it was a little bit, you know, more priced higher than we thought was justified. And that kind of played out in this game where, where they played each other very competitively. And, and many people downgraded the Colts meaningfully following that uh, Seahawks game. Uh, but yeah, both these teams look to be going in completely different directions. Yep, yep, for sure. Uh, next up, Denver at Jacksonville. Um, I think this is pretty straightforward. Trevor Lawrence threw a couple picks. Um, Denver was a little slow-footed to start as far as getting, you know, scoring points in the first half. Um, but then they, they picked up, and then I think Jags got... Um, a kickoff return for a touchdown. So, I mean, you know, once again, the Jags are just not, just haven't put anything together. And I don't know when it's going to be, quote unquote, safe to uh, bet them until the market line adjusts to potentially, I guess, maybe just how poorly schemed and coached this team is. Yeah, what I would say is, you know, we went, you know, following last week's games, the Jaguars versus Texans, we said we needed to see some flash for otherwise, and until then, the Jaguars are unbettable. And I at least saw some flash. I mean, the Jaguars' first series, which again, is obviously a very scripted series, the series, the you know, first or second series of the game are those that you kind of been practicing throughout the week and should kind of be your, you know, A-plus game plan. And they came right out and scored a touchdown. And Broncos were our survivor. So when the Jaguars were up seven zip, you know, uh, right out of the gates, like, uh, really? I did have a a moment of of thinking to myself, is Trevor Lawrence already ascending to Andrew Luck level and we just screwed ourselves? Exactly. And so he still negative. He ended up with a negative EPA, negative 4.8. Teddy Bridgewater, 13.9. So clearly outplayed him. Um, Broncos looked good. You know, again, they, 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 they took the adversity that kind of materialized early in the, in, in the first quarter. 
um you know it was a steady ship maintained the game plan and decisively outperformed the jaguars uh even the the 10 point deficit probably is not fully accurate i would say of how well the broncos performed versus the jaguars over the course of the game but again in that first quarter you're looking a, a little a little scared and that's what i needed to see from the jags so i we had very low expectations for the jags going into the season lower than market expectation i think they played even worse than we thought versus the texans and what I saw versus the Broncos is say, all right, maybe this isn't a totally falling knife and that there is something salvageable here. Mm. And what I'm saying is, I don't know if the Jaguars are fully bettable yet, but I don't have the same sort of conviction in saying, don't even, you cannot touch the Jaguars yet. Yeah. You might be able to now. You might be able to. Well, and I think it's obviously hinging upon, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence and his performance. And, you know, that the good thing is he started the game on a good foot and was making nice throws. Um, so, you know, if, if he really, if he progresses, if he gets more comfortable in learning the offense and the NFL, you know, I think that's where, you know, the, as the season progresses, this team might become a bet on once we kind of understand what that is before the market kind of catches up. Um, mm -hmm. But next up, mm -hmm. let's touch on the Bills at Dolphins. Obviously, the big news here is Tua getting hurt. Um, I'm not sure if they know how long he's out. It looks like a rib injury. Um, but obviously, this game, you know, kind of, you know, Bills took an early lead like they did last year, week two at the Dolphins. But this time, I think Tua got hurt right around potential like, oh, here come the Dolphins. So then the game kind of snowballed out of control. Um, so it, you know, I think Josh Allen wasn't as accurate again as no. he maybe could have been. So that's a little concerning if we're looking towards that regression theme this year. Yeah. Um, any other negative 2.5 completion percentage over expected. So mi missing some throws. Yeah. And so any other takeaways or obviously I think it might just be a throwout game just in general. Like we kind of know what the bills are and dolphins without Tua, we just kind of got to wait and see. Yeah, this is this is a game that I, I'm not taking too much away from. Like you said, Tua got banged up early on. Jacoby Brissett gets injected into the game, doesn't really put anything meaningful together. Um, you know, these type of games just happen. I, I'm not again, we weren't at all in the camp of trying to abandon the Bills prematurely following that Steelers game. Um or, or or even in the camp of, oh, Josh Allen regression. I, I still think Josh Allen is top 10 quarterback, maybe top five quarterback still in this league. Maybe that top five is a little bit aggressive. Uh, but, you know, I want to continue to see how this plays out. Obviously, nothing negative to really take away from the Bills 35 to zero trouncing of the Dolphins as three and a half point favorites. Um. But yeah, I, I'm not I'm not upgrading the Bills actually following this though. So maybe that does speak volumes. But again, maybe that also speaks to the fact that we didn't downgrade the Bills following the Steelers game. Yeah. Again, like the like other handicappers out there who are just overly reactive to every single week. And if you lose, you get downgraded. If you win, you get upgraded. 
Uh, you know, that's not how we handicap teams. It's not how we handicap matchups. Uh, if you do what we expect you to do, well, then you've met expectation. You're not being upgraded. Well, it's like it's like dips in the stock market. Like if you're bullish on a stock, you know, whatever your time frame is, you know, just because it dips on some macro news doesn't mean you change your thesis entirely, you know. Right. If anything, it maybe provides even more value, more opportunity. Um, and so Bills was was one of our picks in, in one of our contests. And, uh, you know, again, I, following it, it was more or less. I was not high on the Bills for this particular matchup at this p particular number at minus three and a half. Um, and I know you and, and Josiah, you know, Sharp Clark was was high on this game. And ultimately, that was the reason why we ended up picking this side. Um, and it was definitely the right side. Yep. And so next up, New England at Jets. Um, this kind of, you know, this was kind of my, I'm not mine, but in general, I think a no-brainer of the week type spot. I mean, really, Bill Belichick versus rookie QB, rookie head coach, even though it's on the road. We saw what the Jets did week one. They were pretty horrible the first half, especially. Um, Patriots actually, you know, Mac Jones looked pretty comfortable as quarterback. You know, those fumbles cost him that game in week one. So this was kind of, you know, obviously minus six isn't ideal to lay on the road. But from a just, it's why I recommend, I think, taking the under as part of um, an option. You, you know, I think this kind of played right into expectations. So I don't have much to, to take away other than, I, I mean, Zach Wilson, I think, is capable in general. And he'll have some nice moments throughout the season. But, you know, he did just play like two of the top potential defenses in the league, maybe, or schemes with the the, the Panthers and um, the Patriots, as Josiah pointed out. So, I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I think the Jets can only go one way, probably up. Um, yeah, any takeaways from this game? Uh, Mac Jones, four yards, average depth of target. Uh, so a lot of dump off passes. Mm -hmm. Zach Wilson going deep, almost 10 yards, average depth of target. So a lot more aggressive. But that makes sense because that's what we anticipated as well, was one of the reasons why, you know, rookie versus rookie in this game. One of the reasons why we picked the Patriots in one of our survivor picks this week, despite rookie versus rookie, because it was obviously the Bill Belichick angle versus a rookie quarterback and likely to keep his quarterback ultra conservative and the four yards average depth of target definitely says that mm -hmm. and what i like about mac jones is then when you look at completion percentage of over expected you know he has excelled so he's performing above expectation even though the ask is not super high that makes total sense. Bill, Bill Belichick is not trying to put Mac Jones in difficult positions. He's trying to put him in reasonable positions. And then when he's doing that, Mac Jones is meeting that expectation and then some. That's exactly what you want to see. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I think the Jets are trying to be super aggressive with Zach Wilson or Zach Wilson himself is being super aggressive. And it's not paying off, obviously. Yeah. But actually, four picks, and I think it actually to kind of like hampers development. So, like if you look at it from a Mac Jones perspective, like not that he's being coddled, but it's so it's the argument is it's what they did to Tua last year, and it's why they played Fitzpatrick is because they could open things up more. And so, you know, to Tua's benefit, maybe that's that was better because it got him comfortable, like get good at the simple things. 
Like become proficient at the little things that you're going to have to do at a proficient level to then do the big things to kind of counterbalance that. And so kind of to your point, maybe like the Zach Wilson experiment is a little bit like, you know, letting him shoot from the hip, which could potentially create kind of, you know, just bad habits that translate into very on and very off type performances like throwing four picks. Like how does he throw? I mean, you have to know you're going against Bill Belichick. Like how does your quarterback even be put in a position to throw four picks is very concerning from a, like a coaching standpoint. Like, I don't know how that even, mm -hmm. or he, mm -hmm. or he sucks. So it's either like, where's who's, who's to really blame. Obviously it's probably both. Um, that's just kind of a red flag to me of like, Either the coaching doesn't quite get it or Zach Wilson doesn't quite get it. And it's probably a mixture of the two. Um, but I'm definitely not as bullish as I think people were in the preseason on this Jets potential. It's going to be a rough year, I think, for them in general. Yeah. Well, remember, and also lost their best offensive lineman. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of banged up across the board. Uh, also, Jamison Crowder is out again. Uh, so he's not getting any necessarily... Uh, kind of personnel supporting cast, you know, help. Uh, I think this game played out relatively how we thought it. it was definitely one of our scenarios. One of the reasons, again, why we picked Patriots in Survivor. We didn't pick them from a spread perspective, which obviously I'm, I'm wishing that we we did, especially since we had the conviction to, to pick them as a Survivor pick. Um, and this is one of the reasons why I think that you can be, you can... The Patriots are a reliable bet kind of moving forward. You don't necessarily need to take into consideration. Again, is, is is if the market continues to discount Mac Jones because he is a rookie quarterback, there is edge to be had there because I think that's that one factor at least is being mispriced. Hmm. Again, we'll see how it continues to move forward uh, and how the Patriots are ultimately priced. Uh but again, Bill Belichick is putting Mac Jones in reasonable conditions, and Mac Jones is exceeding those reasonable conditions. Uh, and so, so far, two for two. I think what I would say for, for the Jets is, got to be cautious. I, I don't think they're bettable right now. But to your point, again, Zach Wilson may have played two of the better defenses in the entire league right off the bat uh and that's obviously not going to continue to be the case so you know it's 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 not all doom and gloom i would say yeah and uh next up san francisco at eagles um i, I have to rewatch this game but from what i've heard sounds like the eagles were pretty competitive had a chance to probably even win this game um jalen hurts actually probably didn't play that bad either um any uh, any takeaways from this game this is another one. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to watch it more closely. Both quarterbacks come away with positive uh, EPA numbers. Uh, Jalen Hurts 14.6 average depth of target. I feel like that's got to be somewhat. Uh, that's I don't know. That's, that's something I'm have to look at because Jalen Hurts had one of the lowest average depth of targets following Week One, and now this is one of the highest that I've seen as I'm kind of looking through some of the data right now. Uh, 14.6. I mean, wow. I don't know if that number is just wrong <laughs> because that is uh, really high. Um, so yeah, this, this is no one that we, we flirted with the idea of Eagles for a bit. Uh, ultimately 
ended up not taking them. And I feel like, you know, again, through half the game, we would have felt good that we took them. Uh, and then the other half obviously didn't, wouldn't have felt too good about it. This was a very competitive game, I think, very def defensive oriented. One thing that I think you called out in, in your playbook um, was the expectation. This was that the expectations for a high total, which was 49, it obviously ends up being 28, 17 to 11. Um, you know, much more defensive oriented than the market expected. This is probably one of the highest totals of, um, and, and obviously went way under. Um, but yeah, this is another one I'll have to, to dive a little bit deeper into. Uh, but again, Jalen Hurts, I think, in the Eagles generally are, are definitely beating market expectation, kind of just broadly on a macro perspective. And again, another longer term scenario that we called, you know, preseason. Well, and, and real quick, this is another benefit of the playbook, not to tout it, but just to kind of help you understand the logistics of the thinking through it is. You know, when you're looking at the slate in one sheet, right, and you're looking at comparing intra-game, right, so different options within a, a specific game like Eagles 49ers across other games, like let's say Tampa Bay, Atlanta, right? So you had a 49 total on the 49ers Eagles. Okay, fine. You had a 51 total on Tampa Bay, Atlanta. So just coming between those two games, if I just, even to the squarest of squares, if I go, Hey, these two teams versus these two teams. Who's going to score more points? Oh, this team by a, this game by a mile, right? And, and it becomes kind of fairly obvious. Well, you know, I can't take an over, so it's it's under or nothing, right? So right there, I already have a kind of like um, strong signal that it's not it's not in the same ballpark offensively as what Atlanta and Tampa, and maybe just just Tampa. Um, can do versus the defense that they're playing with uh, Tampa secondary. Whereas the Eagles have Darius Slay. They have a, a great defensive front. San Francisco has, has played extremely well on defense last year with a bunch of backups. So it's just like when you really look across the slate, rather than looking for bets to make individually as you go throughout the week, I think it can help clarify some signals away from the noise. And that's why we do this. So just FYI. Um, next up, we have Raiders at Dealers. Um, and real quick, I want to touch on, I know Brett was totally against us being on any Steelers. Um, I probably lean Steelers a little too hard, even though in the playbook, I did mention this, this game did seem like it had a high variance um, outcome, which... Raiders winning by nine suggests that that was correct, even though we were on the other side of that. Um, any takeaways from this game? Obviously, some injuries, but. Yeah, uh, I would just say that Derek Carr, one of the things we talked about last week is, I mean, this dude just continues to outperform. He just doesn't get love from the markets or it even seems like from fans. I mean, his completion percentage, 10 percent above expectation i mean just blazing uh 21.6 total epa coming from Derek Carr. uh almost nine yards average depth of target just these are exactly the types of things you want to see from your quarterback uh and that's behind uh offensive line that is inferior 
to last year's version uh, and uh, without your stud running back on the road versus one of ostensibly the best defenses in the league. And still, I feel like every kind of narrative coming out of week two is a, is is about something else other than Derek Carr playing extremely well, given the circumstances, and beating a team as six-point underdogs on the road. Convincingly. I mean, I don't I don't see anybody talking about Derek Carr. I don't think I don't think I hear anybody talking about the Raiders. About the Raiders. I mean, again, obviously the Raiders completely discounted even following the Ravens win. Which that was that was a weird game. And the Ravens looked obviously much better in week two than they did in week one. Play calling looked much better. The fluidity of them and their kind of fill-in running backs looked much better in week two versus versus the Chiefs. And that was one of the things that you, you know, you called out last week. One of the reasons why I know you leaned Raiders heavily last week, uh, not this week, but was just the Ravens offense requires a certain amount of chemistry and at least practice for it to really gel. And that was going to be hard to do in such a short period of time going into that opening week game. But then you get an, an, another week under your belt, and it, it probably was reasonable to assume that that was going to have more fluidity in week two. And we definitely saw that uh, versus, versus the Chiefs in, in, in a totally different game. Uh, but I think what the Raiders here is, is saying is, I mean, you got to watch. I mean, again, this is a team that many people downgraded from a broader season perspective. But who competed versus the Chiefs twice last year, beating them once and almost beating them twice. Actually, remember, the Raiders is the comp team that gave us the confidence yep. to go yep. all, not all in, to back the Bucks with conviction that to the point where I was versus taking Chiefs. minus 10 and a half all line. Yeah. Yeah, so is this something we can move on, but keep your eye on the Chiefs, particularly, I mean, the Raiders, because particularly because the market is not. Yeah. Well, it, the market it, is looking past them. To validate and, that. And that's, and again, that one of the reasons we opened up one of the questions is the Raiders started out hot last year as well. Remember they, mm-hmm. week two, they also had an eye-opening win on the road versus the Saints after beating, you know, uh, I can't remember who they beat in week one last year. I forget. Um, but they started off the season 2-0. Panthers. Yes, Panthers, correct. Um, and again, played, and then they, they had like a dud or two in between, but started off the season, the first half of the season, pretty hot. And this is one of the things that when you talk about Gruden's just broader coaching philosophy, that this is something that he excels in. But it's the attrition. It's the long game mm-hmm. that they are not as adept in. And they had a brutal schedule so, last year too. Just re, right. re, re-looking at it, I mean, I mean, this poor team, and and then they're kind of doomed. Well, they this play, year. yeah, they play like a Hall of Fame quarterbacks like every other week. Yeah, and, and the good thing is though, I mean, you know, to kind of validate real quick, because I think this is an important kind of view, is I think there's five unexpected like two and O teams 
and you know someone on, on Twitter did a um, a post of you know who who's who's for real and who's not. So I want to get your take, Brett, and then I'll tell you what the kind of I read all the comments like sixty comments to kind of gauge kind of like the market survey of what the public yeah. thought. Um, so you got Broncos, Cardinals, Raiders, Panthers. Um, of those two and teams, how would you rank the the legit? They're here to stay versus the ones who are kind of a flash in the pan. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the Panthers can continue to play hot over the first quarter of the season, particularly because their schedule is backloaded. The strength of their schedule is backloaded. So they, they should perform, especially the way that we've seen them play in the first two weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if they go six and two. And this is one of the things that we talked about when we were walking through their schedule in our preseason preview. Uh, of the Panthers. Um, I'm sure everyone's slobbing the knob of the Cardinals. Yep. Back. Um, I would say I don't believe in the Cardinals because this is one of the things we predicted could be the case was that they start off hot. Cliff Kingsbury, etc., can catch people by surprise. And through the first four, five, six weeks, they may look pretty strong, like they did last year. And then it kind of unravels. And also just the durability of Kyler Murray. Yeah, I think I think that's going to prove to potentially be a big one, too. Um, you know, and yeah, so so I, I would say that the, the Panthers are still... I'm not upgrading Panthers. I'm not upgrading the Cardinals. We were higher than the market on the Raiders, but even still, I would say I'm cautiously upgrading them, even from a high grade. Uh, and then who, who? And then the Broncos. Uh, I would say the Broncos. Yeah, we we're super high in the Broncos too. So I know in some of our, uh, some of our predictions, we had them winning like 11 games. So I, I, again, it's it's. I, Say which ones are for real i would say all of them i'm not making material changes from any of them yeah well it seems like based on this report cardinals was definitely the most oh they're they're for real for according sure. to the market um then the raiders there was some raiders love actually in this thread um the next i tier them the next tier was broncos and what i found interesting is the panthers are a complete fraud is what is what I was getting, which again, they played the Jets, they played the Hampered Saints, so it's TBD. Um, but I don't think that defense is a fraud, and I think Sam Darnold having just better weapons and a better scheme that fits his skill set, you know, maybe that's all it takes. So I just found it interesting that of the those four teams, um, Panthers were clearly the bottom feeder of the group and had no respect. Um, just mm -hmm. kind of putting that out there in the universe. Um, but next up, so we can round out the recap so we can get to uh, week three. Where my sheet go? Viking cards. Vikings cards. Yeah, Vikings was a pick that we had pretty much across the board as well. And we we're able to squeak that one out. Take got Minnesota plus three and a half. Uh, so that was, you know, our, our third victory, I think. Um, you know, we haven't talked about our losses, which is Falcons and Chiefs, just a preview. Um, 
Vikings probably should have won this one straight up. Ended up missing, you know, another field goal, a reasonable field goal in the end. Uh, I think Minnesota outperformed most of the market's expectations thinking, I mean, it was pretty much just bearishness left and right for this team following, you know, kind of a disastrous opening, totally yeah, just sloppy performance versus the Bengals, uh, but played obviously very competitively with the Cardinals probably should have beat them. And I'm already hearing about next week about how Seahawks, 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 people pounding the table on the Seahawks as a road favorite versus the Vikings. I don't know about that. Well, I mean, we'll get to we'll I'm get say to, that's unjustified. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get to that here in a minute. Yeah. And just to take away from that, I mean, you know, really, I mean, the Vikings, even though they shoot themselves in the foot, you know, very probably the, the number one team that should or could be two and oh, right? So if you're looking at teams that are, let's say, let's say, oh, and two, Vikings are probably the one that most likely should be two and oh. Um, so just just to right. kind of like the market's not going to be high on them. And if they lose to Seattle and presumably a close game, they're definitely not going to be high on them. Mm -hmm. But they no, that, that's a good point. I don't know any other 0-2 team that should probably justifiably be 2-0, yeah. except for the Vikings. Um, so, but, but good, because we're bullish on the Vikings over the year and in that division, you know, they, they're still going to be in have an opportunity to win it, especially if they beat Green Bay. So Dallas, uh, let's move to the next one. Atlanta. In fact, uh, sitting at 0-2, I would love to take a look at their season win total, what it looks like right now. And I'm pretty sure whatever it looks like is probably yeah. very attractive. For sure. Um, Atlanta at Tampa. This is a game that we did end up... I don't want to say we got... We got a little cute because I think we put it in our contest a little too heavily, in part because we bought the one side of the handicap, which was correct. That Atlanta's offense would find a rhythm, and actually, mm -hmm. it, looked, it looked actually quite good in parts. And <laughs> besides that offensive line, the offensive line is still very, you know, they did it despite the offensive. Oh line yeah, struggles. huge weakness, huge weakness, huge weakness. Um, but then the, the other side of the coin that I think we just didn't weigh appropriately was how betting against the best team in football. Yes, in in at home in in a division game, and they know these, you know. Like, like, I think I even said, I was, you know, I was like, well, as long as Atlanta scores 21 to 24 points, we should cover this. But like, because the assumption is, oh, Bucks are definitely going to score 35 points. Well, well if you know a team's going to score 35 points, like, eh, man, it's it's hard to fade that. Like, just in general, like, that, I mean, that's a that's a big number to be like, oh, no, they're definitely going to score this many points. Um, There's not much margin, I think, for error with a team like the Falcons, so... Any, any takeaways? No, yeah, and it, well, I think with the, the main takeaway moving forward, yeah. It, well, first of all, the the error, yeah, in judgment and, and picking Atlanta plus 12 and a half. I mean, it was 25 to 28 late in the game. But even then, I felt uncomfortable knowing like Tampa could just boom, boom, score. And that every drive of Atlanta was like kind of shaky. Like, yeah, I don't, maybe he'll throw a toss or maybe he'll throw a pick because the offensive line puts him in such bad positions and he's not a great quarterback to be putting under pressure. So even at 25-28, I didn't feel comfortable. And uh, I mean, Matt Ryan also averaged up the target, 4.2. Yeah. 
I mean, so that's Mac Jones level. The dude's not it, taking advantage no time. of down the field matchups by any means. So it's going to be remains to be seen to see how Arthur Smith can adapt to this clearly inferior, huge weakness of an offensive line. And if they can speed the game up, um, I mean, the one, the one thing I the, think was was material was how effectively they got Corderell Patterson involved in, in kind of like some yeah. swing passes and, and kind of pitches and stuff. Um, and it really opened up the run game and it just kind of, and, and no one runs on the Bucks, but like, even though they some of them weren't real runs, it was kind of like de facto runs just by like creating some space for like a really good dynamic runner in the open field. And, you know, so I, I basically it seemed like to me, and this is where I would just want to be clear with Arthur Smith, is after week one, he diagnosed what the problem was, which was, oh, shit, my offensive line is that bad. And he schemed to mitigate that problem. And he did that quite effectively. So that to me is impressive from an offensive schematic standpoint. He did improve drastically. And, and you know, and like Brett said, they were in the game. They had every chance to win it. And, and probably if they get really conservative and just try to like hope the Bucks make a mistake first, they probably lose by 11. So like, obviously, you know, Matt Ryan got tipped at the line, got pick six and then another pick, like things got out of control. But, um, but yeah, just my two cents. Yeah, we, we need to be careful moving forward bet making these types of bets first. The absolute best teams in the league at all. Yeah. Even uh, if you're getting double digits. Especially with a, a terrible defense that they're going up against. Like you like Brady's probably gonna score on good defenses. He's definitely gonna score on bad defenses. Yeah. Um so Cowboys at Chargers. This is one I was a little too high on Chargers, I think, especially because you know, minus three and a half, it should have been, you know, it's really just like it's not takeable. There's and it makes sense. There's a reason why everyone was taking the Cowboys plus three and a half. It was an easy line to take. And that's kind of what I was fading is I think I got a little too cute. Anticipating the general public being wrong rather than starting from a fundamental like, well, the line's too high. Like you can't like you can not take Cowboys, but it's not a good enough line to take Chargers, um, especially at the minus three and a half. So even though I rewatched the game and, you know, Chargers had two touchdowns called back that left, you know, instead of 14 points, got three points, um, you know, late in the game. So, but something to your point, Brett, and why you were less on the Chargers than I think I was, is you pointed out that, you know, Chargers played well week one. You know, they dominated the game, had so many yards, better than Washington, but they still only won by four. They still couldn't finish in the red zone. And the same thing happened this week. Played well, except they threw picks in the end zone. They couldn't finish. They, you know, so what's, what's, there's a problem there. Because now we've seen it two times in a row. What are, what are the Chargers? They, they're very good 20 to 20. But some, no, but, but, but yeah. But it's also about putting yourself in third down position. So I, I had to figure out what, what, what the final stats were here. But when I was just watching the game and just as a fundamental takeaway, there was another like a, a high frequency of third downs and i think a lot of the turnovers happen on third down you're putting yourself in this position and you could say well you know he's really good at third down well okay but like 
you know, you don't want to be putting yourself in third down position because even if you're good at it, you know, it's a, a, a compromising position. Yeah. Uh, especially if you do it habitually. So I don't want to say Justin Herbert didn't, didn't, had a bad game. He had positive EPA. Dak Prescott a negative EPA. Uh, so, uh, it's just, yeah, you also got to take into consideration what the price is of the game. And it's at three and a half with that hook with historically a team that struggles to win close games by margin or just to win close games in general. You know, this was very vintage, even though the coaching staff's different. This was a vintage Chargers game from the Anthony Lynn era. And I think all this has to do is, is show us is that, you know, you, you just still have to be careful betting teams that the broader kind of market public starts to kind of fall in love with. And then, you know, that gets priced into the line. Then you start paying a premium hmm. and we paid the premium by with that full field goal plus the hook in some instances when this really when i, I looked at 538's elo rankings and this has the chargers that had the charge going into this week as less than a, a point better than the chart than the cowboys and then how how many points do you give the chargers for home field probably zero zero yeah so that means the Chargers I think, I think the should Chargers, have been minus one, or this should have been picked. Yeah. And we're we're betting them a field goal plus a hook in some instances. Yeah. Yeah. Now you could say, "Well, I have confidence in the Chargers, and I like Justin Herbert." Well, it doesn't matter. It's a bad price. Mm -hmm. That's not even justified. Like I'm going to pay a two and a half point premium. Now we paid a premium to bet the the Bears this week. But at least it was under the field goal. It was within the realm of possibility if this game kind of goes sideways, which it did. It ended up it ended up going sideways, but we were protected because we at least didn't get a terrible price. Yeah, yeah the, the the price difference between let's say a two and a half and a three and a half is much bigger than a one to two and a half. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, so let's finish up these last two games so we can get to next week. So we have Tennessee at Seattle. This is a game in the playbook I put off. Part of my hesitancy ended up being because I think you and Josiah didn't have much conviction in the game of how it could play out. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, mm -hmm. I ended up laying off it as well, even though I, I think I had a bet on the Titans at plus six. Um, just because, you know, this was, this was one game that I think the line started three and a half, like the Rams... Um, Colts and then it moved to like six and a half and it and I, I wish we in hindsight would have talked just more about it through the week because it was the one line all week that I was just I it never made sense to me why it moved to six and a half like I understand why it might move to six and a half but to me it was like completely unjustified it was the assumption that well Titans suck they can't do anything on offense and Russell Wilson's amazing and but it, it didn't take into consideration that Seattle's home field, it, to be honest, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, I mean, it, it can be there for certain games, but like in general, they don't like go eight no at home. Um, Seattle also doesn't cover by margin because their defense is not very good, uh, generally speaking. 
Titans offense. Would they find some success because they do have talent, they do have weapons. And it just seemed like none of that was being taken into consideration. It was just like a complete week one overreaction. Um, and so that that's kind of my, like, I have to rewatch the tape. I know uh, Seattle was up big early and, you know, Titans came roaring back off the, you know, Derrick Henry, King Henry's legs. Um, but yeah, any, any takeaways from this? I don't know if you got a chance to catch some of this. Mm. Yeah, I, again, to your point, I, I think, you know, this was just a game that we didn't litigate very much prior. And maybe if we did, maybe we do end up on the right side. I know that, you know, we haven't talked a lot about how we were positioned for the NFL prediction game, you know, Lee Sharp's, um, you know, 538, uh, uh, you know, modeled type game. And in that one, you know, I was severely underweight Seattle. So I think I had them winning the game 55%, which was, you know, 15, 20% under market. Uh, so definitely had no conviction in Seattle. And, you know, this is almost the type of game when you're talking about like, do not bet, like Seattle minus six is a do not bet. Like you cannot bet Seattle minus six. No? No. And so obviously the other side of that coin then is, well, if you can't bet this one, then does that mean that you, should, no, it doesn't mean you have to bet the other one, but does that mean maybe you should bet that other one? And I think that's the type of angles that, yeah. You know, which at least bring to the table is, is can you bet Seattle minus six? Well, no, 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 you can't bet Seattle minus six. Um, and what I would say, I rewatched this one. This is one of my the early ones that I rewatched, mostly because I wanted to rewatch it because we didn't ha we didn't talk about it a lot. It wasn't an area of focus pre pre week two, so I wanted to figure out maybe a little bit more about why that was. And while Seattle was winning by margin. I wouldn't say that they were clearly the better team or clearly winning even the game, even though they're up by margin, uh, because, you know, sack fumble by Tennessee, touchdown called off. Uh, like Tennessee was still moving the ball on Seattle. And Seattle wasn't necessarily methodically moving down the field, except for like, I think one drive. The rest of it was, you know, kind of two bombs to Tyler Lockett. They kind of, again, got past the secondary that kind of ushered them down the field and, and into the end zone. Uh, whereas Tennessee was kind of methodically moving down the field, kind of repeated. And then that obviously war, this war of attrition ultimately ended up playing out as the game continued to wear on. And obviously Derrick Henry is just a huge outlier specimen of a running back uh so yeah tennessee mostly unjustifiably downgraded by the broader market going into this game for sure defense still huge weakness though uh so yeah still 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 tbd though i, I don't know if tennessee is necessarily a, a bet on team i liked what i saw though Tannehill. You know, taking more advantage of Julio Jones, just the broader weapons at his disposal. But Tennessee also has an offensive line looked very bad, especially from a protection, passing protection perspective, like they did versus the Cardinals in, in week one. Yeah, well, I think uh, Taylor Lewin didn't end up playing, right? He got hurt right before the game, the left tackle. Um, 
And then to, to kind of pull up the rear, our biggest whiff of the week, unfortunately. Oh, big time. Big um, time. Chiefs at Baltimore. And, the, you know, we were on KC, even at the minus three and a half with the hook. You know, I know for one, I mean, the, the good, I will say that the silver lining is we admitted, and this is where handicapping becomes so kind of crystallized in a, in a positive way, is we we were admitting that this was super square side. Now, it doesn't mean it's justified in playing it or we should pat ourselves on the back, but at least like we knew that there wasn't very much edge, any sharp edge to be had that the market wasn't already aware of. Um. So we, we didn't know that. The problem was, I think, you know, me personally, I overweighed history, right? Like history doesn't prove future results. I overweighed that Casey basically owns Baltimore, which of course everybody <laughs> knew and everybody was Puke. saying. Um, yes. But it, it didn't it didn't take into consideration. And I think if I if I paid attention a little more to the Casey Browns game, I might have rethought through this is what about my whole diatribe last week on the Chiefs? <laughs> or that yeah i mean it's it's even though i mean you know when it when the chiefs were up 11 and late in the third quarter you know when i rewatched this game uh today i literally w- was wondering how do the ravens come back like how do the ravens win this like cover sure how do they win this it's just like it, it, it was a little bit of one of those games because Lamar Jackson was not very good passing um, for a lot of the game. Um, but Chiefs defense is is a big concern. I think I think definitely a huge downgrade of that defense. Huge. Now, this defense is miserable. Reminds me of what? Miserably two, two, bad. Three years ago? I mean, so that's two. That's two weeks in a row, too, where this defense got torched on the ground. Everywhere. <laughs> I mean, more on the ground, though. I mean, that was really weird. Uh, yeah, yes, but yeah, especially on the ground. And obviously, that's what opens up. And that's the thing is, like, you know, everyone now again adding Lamar Jackson on the back again is like, if Baltimore can run on you, then that opens everything up. I mean, dude, a lot of his passes were literally like wide open mm-hmm. wide receivers. Like the Hollywood Brown touchdown. I mean, he's like, no, yeah, no, because no. the Chiefs were forced to play man and their corners and safety their broader secondary sucks and i mean again you got the highlight reel of lamar jackson jumping and throwing i don't even know why he jumped like i don't think he jumped just to literally for high right wheel sake because there's no need to jump i mean he literally jumped to throw to a wide open streaking hollywood brown i don't get it like uh i think he's just a showman you know, like obviously tumbling, you know, doing a cartwheel into the end zone again for no reason, putting yourself at injury risk. He's just trying to show off. Yes. Um, and obviously the media kind of eats it up. And again, it, I mean, it's fun to watch, but you know, I, it, it was it as was, the, the the Ravens start to incorporate these new running backs into their scheme. That can be that can be an upgrade. Mm-hmm. But I think this was more a statement about Casey's defense than the efficacy of of Baltimore, yep. especially from a betting perspective moving forward. Yeah, and, and that's and that's where this handicap was wrong. Is it really, you know, Baltimore at home coming off that loss? Like you know, you're going to get your best effort at least. 
And then with KC is not handicapping the defense appropriately. And again, if, if KC struggles against the run and then they're going against the team that runs the ball the best slash the most, I mean, what what are you what you know laying three and a half points? Like you're just asking, you're just asking for it. So, yeah. um, I mean, and again, you could make the argument that Baltimore was clearly the better team in this game because you know Lamar Jackson opens the game up with a pick six. Yeah. So right off the bat, boom, seven zero. Yeah, I mean, it's it's but but again, I guess that that was kind of my point is if you stop the run, Casey dominates the game. But but again, like that's that's kind of like the fundamental handicapping 101 is is building the structure of this game around well how do the ravens cover slash win this game oh they're going to run the ball successfully okay yeah. well can they yes and i think you could have picked that up just via week one um if you just were a little more on top of the fundamental structure of of how these teams match up yeah um, i think and the other thing is is prime time game we shouldn't be betting prime time games with that I mean, historically it bad because primetime games also tend to, you know, either have some weird variants or are very competitive. And obviously, if you're taking big favorites in a very competitive game or there's some big variants, you have, you know, like, you know, like like the Thursday game we mentioned at the top with Washington Giants. You know, there's what, 60 points scored in that game. Teams did not play like 60, 30 point offenses, but it's Thursday. You know, it's a Thursday night game, so. Uh, but now let's touch on um, this week. Yeah. So week three, we're here. Have no fear. We can give our, our original, our, our initial leans here before really diving in. Because I don't think we need to really handicap these games too meaningfully. We can give kind of a, a one-sided handicap on both sides just real quick. Initial lean. Because we, we still need to rewatch the games. We still need to look at a bunch of other data. You know, so this is very preliminary, so I don't think no need to kind of dive into it, you know, too substantive. Okay. Well, so if we start at the top Thursday night, we have Carolina at Houston. You know, obviously, I think the biggest key is really just getting a pulse on the rookie quarterback who presumably is going to replace Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, and, and it's a short week. But but again, I don't want I don't want to blake blatantly, no, blanketedly say that, oh, you know, it's Carolina or off, which it is. But... It just depends on who this guy is. I don't honestly don't know anything about him. I have to do some research on him. Um, yeah. Stanford. We, I mean, because we've seen these types of situations before. These type of quarterbacks, like it's 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 reminiscent of um, a new poker player playing against a bunch of professionals. Is there is something called beginner's luck? Not because they're lucky, but because they're so bad that you don't know how to prepare for them. So you actually make negative ev choices in your own poker game because they're doing things that are also negative ev but you can't anticipate it you don't know what they're going to do so it's like a wild card like, i don't know what he's going to do so he actually he ends up having an edge because i can't prepare for what he's going to do because i don't know what he's going to do and that's yeah it's not always the case but you just don't know in this scenario so getting some better feel on this uh quarterback i think is obviously the key to the game I would say I like the under 44 and a half here. I think this is going to, this is set up for like a nice, ugly Thursday game where maybe the Panthers do underperform a little bit. Um, and Houston kind of just struggles to be able to move the ball, maybe some turnovers. Um, at seven and a half, Thursday game, 
it's not a game you should be if you want to bet for fun again i think the under maybe has some some value there maybe some uh, otherwise yeah. yeah this 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 could panthers they might crush them but, or to the exact same extent like like you mentioned this could be you know 19 to 12 <laughs> uh and then texan covers covers that seven and a half yeah, so I think we moved to Sunday. So we have Washington at Buffalo. Any? Yeah, this is one I'm eyeing so far. I feel like I lean Washington for sure. Obviously, you have a little bit. The 10 days is, I feel like, especially valuable mm -hmm. given, you know, Taylor Heineke was kind of thrusted in to being the starting quarterback for only just a few days, obviously, prep for that Giants game. Again, didn't play great, didn't play terrible. Um, again, I, re I, I still want to rewatch that game, but from the stats, didn't look terrible. Um, not great. Uh, but now it gets the full kind of 10 days. And again, I, I don't think there's anything I've seen from the Bills yet to where, you know, they haven't really shown anything. They've shown they're not, they're not bad, obviously. They're still a good team. But this is nine and a half. Looks like a lot of points you know i mean that's that seems too high yeah i i think that i think that I, like if ryan fitzpatrick was the quarterback would this be seven right like i, I think I, it'd be lower yeah and so I, I think this is a bit of an overreaction when heineke i think is like i actually think heineke is better than ryan fitzpatrick i think he's a little more inconsistent a little more variance but he's got better legs i think his instincts are a little sharper sometimes um i mean you know that one drive that is is kind of where where i've picked up on pick up on this is you know i think giants just scored a touchdown and heineke had had two passes and he went 70 yards like a 40 yarder and like a 30 yeah. yard touchdown back to back yeah. to, to no no names this wasn't to terry mclaurin and antonio gibson this was to yeah. ricky seals jones and, and jd McKin mckissick so uh, that kind of poise is something that you can bet on, in my opinion. So uh -huh. Yeah, and this is the thing is, too, is I think because of his experience in the past, he can get caught up quickly. Therefore, that's one of the reasons why he didn't look like a complete shit show right off the bat and th on Thursday. And why I think he could look even better in this game. I like the over in this one as well at 45. I mean, again, the Washington defense probably a little bit overrated, but it seems like at nine and a half, Mark is completely even discounting their defense at this point. Yeah. So maybe you're getting a little bit of you know some free upside there. Maybe they put in a good game. Who knows? Um, but yeah, definitely leaning towards the the Washington plus nine and a half right now. Uh, next up, Bears at Browns. Obviously, Justin Fields is probably going to be the starting quarterback. Yep, um, Browns. So you're on Browns. Yeah. Does it? Does the number matter? It's Browns or, or layoff, just because I think I, I hope this gets to seven, uh, maybe even six and a half. If you get like some Fields, uh, homers out there, some clowns who really want to, who think who think the Bears are upgraded because of Fields. I would like to know that. Like, is 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 there any? irrational market support for the bears now because they won because brown struggled with the texans and because now justin fields is the quarterback and he's the best thing 
Chicago's ever had. Like, is that is that is the public gonna be backing the Bears at a big seven, juicy seven? If so, I think Browns is a definite consideration. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, at seven and a half, you know, who knows? Maybe we, we don't bet it. Uh, but at seven, obviously, much more attractive. Certainly under seven. Again, that's that's a big ask. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it continues to play out. Still super early here. I mean, we're not even in technically into fully week three yet. But like, you cannot like, bet the Bears here. I yeah, feel like yeah. on the road with Justin Fields. I feel like if you're looking for a good performance from the Browns defense, this is going to be the one. And if the Browns defense doesn't look good versus the Bears, then you got some real concerns. But I think this is going to be the game where you get, I feel like the Browns are going to look better versus the Bears than they did versus the Texans. Yeah, and, and I think I think an under is probably um, a look as well. Maybe, yeah. Um, next up, Baltimore at Detroit. Uh, this might end up being our survivor pick, which is week three, so I don't mind giving away. Um, you know, obviously, we'll see what happens with Detroit. And, and look, I, I understand Baltimore was partying and had their big win. But so did the Raiders week one. And that was kind of like the narrative coming from the Raiders week one is, oh, they partied after the big Ravens win. That's true. That's true. So, you know, the, the issue is Detroit's the team that's going to be on short rest, preparing for Lamar Jackson in a dome. Like, even if the Ravens have a terrible game, the Lions defense is still not, is still terrible. So I just don't see, I like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Baltimore off. I, I don't. It's just a terrible matchup, I think. Well, do you know what the line? There's no line right now, right? I think, I think it was, was 11, maybe. Yeah, I think it was in that ballpark. Yeah, like 11. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, it, we'll see what what happens with Green Bay. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my my takeaway. Um, yeah, yeah, that yeah, that's that's my biggest concern just from a survivor perspective. I don't think we'll be betting Ravens spread. Nah, nah. Um, worth it but especially since i have concerns from a survivor perspective uh, of just yeah that hangover from yeah you know, these are Maybe. still pro football teams but yeah at least it sets up nicely that the lions are also going to be coming off a shorter week a shorter week so with even less time to prepare for lamar jackson and maybe this this running game the chemistry with these fill-in running backs is is continuing again to improve um, I just think the Lions could take advantage of Baltimore's defense. And if Baltimore, Baltimore's not going to have the same focus versus the Lions as they did versus the Chiefs. That that Chiefs game was like all hands on deck. Let's do everything we can possibly do hmm. to win this. And that's that's just my biggest, my biggest yeah, concern. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Arizona at Jacksonville. Speaking of the team you cannot bet yet. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think this line's a little short, I, and I understand it's on the road, but what, minus six and a half for for the, the cards? Or is it minus seven? I think uh, it's seven and a half now. Yeah, that's getting big. So at six and a half, it was short. I mean, <laughs> honestly, Jags could be... I, I don't I can't... I still can't back the Jags. They're 0-2 ATS, which doesn't mean a whole lot, but it's, it's how they've gotten to that ATS. I mean, they should be like lost by 30 lost by 20 so like he just there's no like there's no point back in the jags just it, yeah yeah now, this, this is a tough spot where it's you know two contrasting realities of a team that 
you haven't seen enough to bet on and a team that you don't necessarily want to get in front of. Uh, I'm going to think the seven and a half probably seems too much now. Seems like a great spot. Probably lean Jacksonville here, Mm. assuming Lawrence and Urban Meyer's clown show kind of continues to get more in line, more organized as the season goes on. Arizona still makes makes mistakes, commit a lot of penalties. Still not a great coaching staff themselves. Sure. It's just kind of Kyler Murray, you know, wow show continues to kind of steal headlines. But a lot of it is like these bombs mm. when he's being blitzed or something like that and just falling right into the receiver's lap. Good throw. Yeah, I mean, they are. Um, I'm, I'm going to lean Jacksonville here. But I mean, that's a dangerous pick. Yeah, I can't. I just can't. I haven't seen enough on either side of the ball to really have any confidence in that. Um, yep. I mean, like, it could be the case that the Jaguars are so bad right now that these lines should never be under 10. It just doesn't matter where or almost who they play. And that's where my concern is. Um, Chargers at KC. This is an interesting game because obviously now you're getting Casey on a rebound in a division game. You're getting the Chargers who can't finish, who've only had one punt in two games. Um, Line seven, which seems way too high. But then again, if Chargers can't capitalize and Casey's pissed, I I really don't know which direction to go with this right now. I could I could make a case either way. Well. I mean, I see six and a half now down to six. Mm. I, I was going to say at seven, I definitely like Chargers just because, again, Chiefs in margin. I mean, they're not in the winning by margin game and they're not even in the winning game basically right now. I mean, the Chiefs should be 0-2. Yeah. And, and real quick, dude, this is kind of like a, look, the Chiefs are probably going to make the playoffs and they're probably going to make a run. But... And, and it's what we said going into the Super Bowl last year. Have the Chiefs peaked? So so why is that important? We'll reiterate this one more time. If they've peaked, I don't think the like, I think the Bucks are peaking right now through this season. But the Chiefs peaked halfway through last year, let's say. Is that teams can catch up. Teams now have a mark. They can set their sights on that's that's what we've got to beat it, that's the top and it's it's now it keeps happening like they keep not covering the, and even in the playoffs before they played the bucks really they easily could have lost the browns i mean they they had some trouble there um so i wonder if like maybe in general like there's just too much Chiefs love their defense is not very good and Patrick Mahomes' offensive line and running game is still subpar. And if you if you bracket Tyreek Hill, their offense is predictable. It's still not very, you know, you still can't really stop it. But it's it's within a containment zone of what to expect. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the AFC is more wide open than I originally thought, to be honest. Sure. Um... Next up, Saints at Patriots. Now we have, we're, this is my favorite game of the week because we have 
overreaction both ways in opposite directions and then <laughs> and then again the next week. Yeah. I think gotta monitor the Saints injuries. So I don't know how many of those injuries, you know, and those stars that they missed last year, I mean last week were supposed to be longer than just a week. If the Saints are injured to the same extent, I think this is just a no play. Mm. Just stay away. If the Saints are healthier, uh, I probably want to lean the Saints, even though it's tough betting Jameis Winston versus Bill Belichick on the road. Yeah, I want to rewatch well, both these games, but especially the, the Saints-Panthers to see if we can pick up on kind of like what really happened there. Um, but yeah, my, my initial reaction is, is you know, especially if the market has completely abandoned the Saints, which seems likely. I, I, I could back the Saints. The line's like three and a half, right? I don't have this the current line up. Three, three and a half, maybe. Uh, yeah, it was three. Yeah, I mean... I think it's I think these teams are pretty even overall. So I mean if you're getting, you know, plus 3 seems about right. Um so if you could get over 3 3 at 3 and a half or something, I think that's that's an okay side to play. Um next up Falcons at Giants. I think we both have a lean here. We're going to triple down. I don't think this is getting already into Eagles territory from last year when we went one and eight well letting the eagles on, let me let me just still just kept pounding the table on the eagles clearly wrong clearly just oh time to triple down up oh, to quadruple down like and still not just like taking a step back and be like hey maybe we don't know like what the fuck we're doing when it comes to betting the eagles after we're zero and five instead go one and eight we're zero and two betting the falcons don't have a pulse does plus three look good on versus Giants? Yes, it does. The fact that we're both decidedly on that makes me even more cautious. Well, I feel like this is not. I don't be want to take back. the Falcons because I've been burned. But we never wanted to bet the Eagles either. It's like, well, there's just too much value. It's true. Um, yeah, I mean, it, let's do that again. I mean, well, there's two caveats I have. One is, <laughs> I, I think Giants are still one of the worst teams in the NFL. Um, namely because of their coaching staff and their wildly inconsistent quarterback and offensive line. Um, and with Atlanta, just from a strictly fundamental view, you know, their defense was not good, but they were playing the best offense in the NFL. And no one's going to look good playing that, that offense unless you get pressure on Brady right away. And they made some plays. You know, if AJ Terrell's healthy, um, he got banged up in that Tampa game. Um, he looked okay. Yeah, that's big too. Yes, he, AJ Terrell. He, he looked now. like he's he's definitely um, on the upswing um, overall as far as a cornerback. Okay. Um, so that, that's a big thing to monitor. And and again, I'm just not a Arthur. Again, Arthur Smith impressed me. So I, I'm I'm buying the recency bias. I just really wish that we'd be coming in fresh betting the Falcons. <laughs> yeah, but that to me that suggests we are in fact what we coined what yes. butt hurt. But like we it, were that with the Eagles as well. Well, so let's put it just this. repeatedly. We well, were let's, masochists. Let's frame it the other way. Based on the slate, it seems if we're not on the Falcons, 
if we lay off the Falcons, it's because we're butthurt. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, take that as, as you want. So, um, yeah. Again, if we're struggling to make picks, then maybe, maybe we do that, you know? Um, but again, we, we did, you know, well, and I'll audited talk- our picks for week two and we made nine picks. But real quick. So we were not at a shortage. Yeah, yeah. We were at a premium and still ended up making some picks again that we think, because again, we made the, we bet the Falcons. We thought it was justified. Again, we're not results oriented. It's not, oh, well, we lost this game. So therefore it was a bad pick. That's not true. But there was multiple picks that we made that were bad picks. Chiefs being one. Yeah. Well, and, and, Regards to the Falcons, the reason I guess I'm not as butthurt is because, you know, I I, I really liked Philly. I, I had like, uh, I think a two or three game parlay. That was my best play week one where the Eagles plus four and a half was was in it, was one of my legs. So I bet it like, you know, way early in, in the offseason just because I thought the line was way too high. And as it got closer, I got kind of turned around and, you know, started buying a different narrative. Um, so that, that's why I don't I don't feel that butthurt from week one, because it kind of was in the realm of what I originally expected anyways. Um, and then week mm-hmm. and week two, we knew, you know, we knew that possibility of, you know, Bucks are going to score 40 and Atlanta doesn't quite make it there. So I don't know. It's, you know, m- more importantly, I think we saw Falcons um, improve week one to week two. Yes, I'll say that. But obviously, because they were rock bottom. We've won literally almost no positive takeaways. But, uh, okay, Bengals at Pittsburgh, minus four and a half. I'm leaning Bengals here, especially given all Pittsburgh's injuries. Mm-hmm. Is TJ Watt, I don't, I don't know the latest on his injury. I think he's probably the biggest, biggest one. Yeah, got to monitor him. I mean, it got a lot of it. A lot yeah. of injuries on the defensive side. Also, Deontay Johnson looked banged up. It doesn't look like he's going to be hurt longer term, but status for this week, you know, I, I think we see a lot more close. Like, again, Bengals made a lot of bonehead mistakes throughout the first couple weeks, um, but still maintained, like, competitive scores. Competitive, yeah. kind of, relatively competitive football. Um, division game over a field goal and this Pittsburgh offense just man they struggle to move the ball yeah. uh, and I would say probably since these defense is better than the Raiders yeah um I, I I'm not I'm, I don't know what the Steelers are doing I, I think I mean just macro real quick like I think it's time to move on from Big Ben uh, he's he's completely they just don't have a quarterback on the roster to really do that uh, bring in Cam anybody I, it doesn't matter where's Tebow yeah that's true Bring him back. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So Colts at Tennessee. This line, like, obviously Jacob Eason's probably going to be quarterback here. I think from what I'm hearing. Well, for sure. If this is five, that's definitely handicapping. Not Carson Wentz. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, again, these these backup quarterbacks tend to outperform market expectations. Yep. Time and again, yep. especially the last couple of years. I mean, again, I think it's like like legitimately 80 something percent last time I checked um, as far as covering. So if, if Titans defense is as bad as everyone says it is. 
I mean, you can't lay the points with the Titans. No, no. So then I think Colts. Colts is going to be a side if Jacob Eason is QB, especially how he finished that Rams game, which Rams have, I think Jalen Ramsey picked him off, the best cornerback in the NFL. Like, that's going to happen. You know, Frank Wright can game plan. He knows how the Titans play. I like. I think the Colts is a, is a bet on option this week. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I, I I could see it, especially because you know Wentz has been hurt for a while, yeah. so Eason has gotten some he you know exposure and and, and think interplay gonna, with he, the offense. Everyone thought he was going to start week one. Yeah, week one, right? So first half of the season, maybe. Actually, it probably would have been safer to get Wentz fully healthy, and they lost both games anyways. Um, so Jets at Broncos. We might have Broncos and a Survivor, but I mean, I don't. I don't I mean Jets are. You can't play Wilson against a good defense. Not at this point, right? I just. I don't know. You just, he's. I almost. He's so green. I mean, yeah, yeah. No. I feel like he's going to improve, and also, I feel like what got him a lot last week was scheme, not necessarily personnel. And I mean, Vic Fangio's, you know, yeah, top, yeah, one of the tops NFL defensive. I think, I mean, again, I I said there's not much, again, it's it's probably not worth it because we're in week three of a full slate of games. There's no bye weeks. Like, why do you need to reach to bet the Jets? But I think this is Jets or nothing. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess I mean the line's pretty high, so it's only what is it nine and a half? Eleven and a half. Oh yeah, that's way too high. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to rewatch the Wilson tape again and get a vibe. Maybe there's a world because Bradley, I think Bradley Chubb's injured, and another um, one of their young other linebackers is injured for the Broncos. So mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, Jets could find some success, and and again, just like any market, typically when teams have their or players have their worst performance. It's not going to be as bad the next game. Like it's. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, is, is Vic Fangio, Bridgewater, like this broader kind of philosophy around this team is not. They're not out to gut. Yeah. They're they're out there to, to win the game, move on. Yeah. Oh. You know they're not trying. If they're up two and a half scores, you know, seventeen points in the fourth quarter. Trust me. All the creativity is out the window, and it's just, oh, you know, we're going to run it right up the middle. Well, who cares? We're going to run it up the middle because we're going to try and stop, you know, just drain the clock. So you're going to be able to force some easy three and outs. And I do. And I, then you get like an easy backdoor kind of shitty touchdown in the end. And Denver clearly was a better team, clearly won, but they only end up winning by 10. I, I do have a take that I don't think the market's going to consider is. You know, Broncos had to go to the East Coast these la- these first two weeks, and now they return home. Is there a little bit of burnout? Like not not like midseason burnout, but just a little bit of ah oh, man, who two big wins? Like that was tough. Like let's let's relax a little bit. Like let's get our you know catch our breath basically. Um, for sure. And again, I think this is this is like near rock bottom for Zach Wilson. Again, unfortunately, man, having to play some. 
tough defenses here to start off his career. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe this isn't rock bottom. Maybe after this is rock bottom. I don't know who they play next week. Uh, well, and notice real quick, notice the difference. I, Tennessee. I mean, so he gets a good he, Tennessee next week. So he gets a, a relief, yeah. a respite in week four. Yeah. Um, okay. Next up, Dolphins at Raiders. I I think love I love the Dolphins. Yeah, I think I do too. I Because again, I don't care. I, honestly, I, I really don't care if Tua plays or not. I think Jacoby Brissett, now that he knows he, he's probably going to be starting, um, it's, you know, they're, they're going to find success. And, and they, you know, if you look at the game last year that played uh, versus uh, the Raiders, it was a tight game. It, you know, it was, it was a low scoring game. It was, you know, within within range for both teams to win it. So I look for a similar, <laughs> a similar type scenario. Yeah. We're talking about, you know, no one giving Derek Carr credit and they're out here like, oh, love, love the Dolphins. Love Dolphins. <laughs> I, mean, I don't, I don't love it. Um, but it, but it's also in part due to some of the Raiders being banged up and that, you know, they love the blitz. And in that week one, I mean, that Raiders offense, like Derek Carr pulled it out as the game went on. But early in the game, he was missing throws. Like he was behind yeah. receivers and he was getting pressured heavily. And Dolphins like to blitz. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I think an under here is probably a very good bet as well, potentially. Mm -hmm. um, Tampa Bay at Rams. Obviously, maybe the game of the week, maybe a precursor. What I think. Yeah. And probably be. a game to just avoid. Yeah. Like let everyone else chop themselves up betting this game. Mm -hmm. Probably going to be like very split. I bet you, especially like in Circa, you're going to get 30% betting each side yeah trying to try to this is going to be a fun game to watch do you really want to bet against either one of these teams <laughs> well with the, with the bucks banged up secondary i don't want to bet against stafford down the field and with the bucks offense i don't want to bet against that i to pick them it's there's no yeah. there's really no edge either way i look at it personally yeah yeah um yeah that yep and it's i, I very, think very tough, and yeah. actually i think it, what may actually be more important is to pay attention to the game for playoff and potentially nfc championship implications um seattle at minnesota the the only thing that bugs me about this is like the line is short like i want i want it you know i would love to get minnesota plus three it's not gonna happen yeah um but i'll take minnesota plus one even well, still I feel like it's a trap, though. Because, Probably. Because yeah, you just it, it's a it's a it's a toss up. Seattle has a way of finding a way to destroy, like to break the Vikings' heart, which again is kind of like the Chiefs' narrative. Like I don't know, like I just don't like the sharper side is going to be Minnesota because everyone's going to be on Seattle, but like. When teams find ways to lose, betting them straight up versus good teams or very good quarterbacks is just like almost there. There is no edge there. Like so, so maybe it's not worth playing Seattle, but I'm not sure it's you can really play Minnesota. That's just my feeling on it. Um, Green Bay at San Francisco. I'm not gonna lie, I already bet this before the, before the Monday night game. It's plus four. I don't understand. I mean, yeah. I, I get it because they're on the road. Yeah, that's that's way that's that's a point and a half through a key number too much. Yeah, 
And, and again, especially with San Francisco's like literally all their running backs are hurt or banged up. And at what point is it like, and again, just like we saw with the Ravens week one, like there is truth to like, I mean, yeah, you can run the ball, but like, you know, there's rhythm, there's timing, there's getting situated. Like I, I just uh, cluster injuries fading that Aaron Rodgers plus four. Mm, okay. If I lose, so be it. Um, yeah. I think I put a couple of units on that too. Um, Philadelphia at Dallas. And it's going to be three probably by. Yeah. yeah. There's no, yeah. unless Rodgers gets hurt, it's not going anywhere, but yeah, lower. Um, even if they lost the Lions, I think it would still go lower. Philadelphia at Dallas. Um, this Philly. Philly. I think Philly's plus three, right? Plus three and a half. Philly plus four, I'm seeing. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I could, I could take Philly. It is a Monday night game, though. Um, yeah, well, then this Green Bay game is Sunday night. Shit. <laughs> is it, it, both, both those lines seem a little high. Like, I don't, I mean, I, if the if the market agree, you know, not that I need their permission, but if the market agrees and these lines trend closer to the three where I think they probably should be, I'll feel better about being on those sides. So, um, yeah, it just seems like a high line. Like, I think these teams are more even than the market thinks. Obviously, the Cowboys at home getting the benefit. Um, yeah. But I mean, that defense is still not very good. Jalen Hurts is playing better than people think. Yeah, yeah. And the Philadelphia defense is definitely outperforming expectation for sure. Even though they might have games. lost Brandon Graham for this season, which is a big loss for the defense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe it's maybe it's actually a layoff then. Like you, I don't think you can take Cowboys minus four and a half, minus no. four. Just yeah, I don't think they can win by margin with that defense. Um, yeah. So in any all right. So we recapped all of week two, previewed all of week three. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I bet you you're even more exhausted. I am. What time is it? One o'clock in Germany time. Um, wow. Well. It's not. <laughs> when you have a you have a two year old, it's everything. Um, um, any final takeaways? All right, so good. No, I, I think we we pretty much covered it all. Uh, still a lot to digest, and consume. Again, to dive more into the numbers, we watch a lot of the tape before we really kind of crystallize our week three picks. Um. So we'll have to, you know, take it from there, but uh, definitely, you know, check out our website, portfoliokings.com, sign up for our newsletter, also for our alerts around, you know, keeping you updated on the roadmap of how will, you know, our broader pipeline of, you know, when we'll be releasing certain tools, you know, still kind of really working basically on the front end version of some of these things that it's kind of like already built on the back end. We're using a lot of them but just not ready yet for public consumption. Uh, so still working through those types of things. But again, with the next few weeks, definitely plan on opening those things up. And again, going to be for free all season long. So thank you for your patience for those who are eagerly anticipating the release of some of these tools. Definitely appreciate uh, your support. Yep. And uh, with that, that is the uh, closing bell. <laughs>